on this episode of Why Watch That. Don't care about the people of Summer House. No offense. Don't care. Don't care about Duchesne's girlfriend. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care about the little boy and his mother. Don't care. And I know y'all are going, oh my gosh. Yes, it is. What's the name of this again, producer? Top Boy. Oh. Still, that Schmidt line, I, I will never forget it. Schmidt, well, you better pay him. I mean, this man is talking to his father. His father's in dire straits. It's about to get knocked out for owing money. And he's like, who do you owe money to? Schmidt, Schmidt! <laughs> he's like, forget that! You on your own, fool! You better pay him. She says, I'm your mother, not your friend. That's accurate. Mm-hmm. Up until recently. Yeah. <laughs> That's how parents used to talk to their kids. Yeah. I ain't your friend. I don't want to be. I'm your mother. Mm-hmm. Why Watch That as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head to head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why, Why Watch, Watch That. that. Critic? Yes. Critic! What? Have you heard? We just got a buy me a coffee page. <laughs> What's that? Boy, come on. It's a place where listeners can support our work for as little as $5. $5. Pretty much the price of a coffee. I don't drink no coffee. What you talking about? Well, you don't drink anything but water <laughs> and eat raw potatoes. But... <laughs> I guess they can buy you a popcorn. How about that? (laughs) uh, Yeah, right. (laughs) right, right. (laughs) Well, everyone, look, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that to support our work or purchase our valuable resources. Yeah, you know what? We just added the TV trackers to help you curate a collection of shows you'll love to watch. So find this and more ways to support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that. So, Critic, are you going to buy me a coffee? Maybe. The Why Watch That Talk. All right, listeners. After all the talk about the movies, we thought it only seemed right to bring us an episode all about TV. Critic, are you ready to get into these TV shows? I guess. Yeah. Mm, We're going to find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So, uh, you, all right, let's, let's just jump right in. Yeah. TV season premieres. Kicking off uh, Top Boy season four, brought to us by uh, Netflix. This is a uh, TV show about uh, good old drug dealers created by Ronan Bennett, um, starring Ashley Waters, Kano, Michael Ward, and a bunch of other people. Um, so, Critic, what did you think about season four? Mm-hmm. Now, remember Top Boy started off of Netflix, right? And Netflix revived it, you know, at the behest of certain um, people in the music industry. So that was the first two seasons, which they now call Top Boy Summer House. So if you want to start this show, you have to start there. And then you can come here. Now, the thing about the first two seasons of Top Boy 
Summer House, is that each season had four episodes. Now that Netflix is producing it, each season has 10 episodes. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Does that matter? Well, 10 or 8 or something like that. I don't know how many they got. Now look, at the start of season four, of course, we're dealing with the aftermath of season three, which happened, you know, I mean, this aired a long time ago. And we know why. So we have a whole bunch of people moving around and doing different stuff. Now, at this point, we have Duchesne played by Ashley. And, you know, he's really trying to become legit. That same storyline, you know, you're the drug dealer, but you want to get out. You know, he has this girlfriend of his who has a child that he wants to take care of. And, you know, all of this. Let's move forward in life now. This girlfriend, we find, has a past. What is this past? You know, she's working as uh, a nail artist or whatever it is. And someone walks in and it's a very strange scene. You're like, who is this woman? Like, what is this about? It's weird. And so something's going on at the beginning with her. Now, the thing is, in order for him to become legit, of course, he needs money. It's all about cleaning the money and so on and so forth. And he's getting more money than ever. Because after season three, he's back on top and he's even surpassed his previous highs. So he has this connection, which he formed in season three. We won't talk about how he formed it. With someone who has a connection to, you know, drugs, the drugs need to come in to England. And what they found is it the drugs go through Spain. So it's like from Morocco or wherever to Spain, and then to England. Now, in Spain, this connect that Duchesne has runs into some trouble because the person who's Spain in Spain who's supposed to be working with these uh, Moroccans, well, he's decided he's leaving the business. And a relative of his is going to take over. Now, the reason why he's leaving is because of something that's going on in his family. There's a health condition he wants out. Now, Will this relative be able to still continue this whole kind of drug, you know, trafficking thing is the question. And what about these Moroccans? If that's the wrong country, you know, whatever. Now, of course, something happens. And Duchesne has to get involved. He has to go directly to these Moroccans. Now, will they be trustworthy? And is he up to the task of just getting the drugs directly from them. This isn't something they can just change overnight. Now, Duchesne's partner in crime or former partner in crime is Sully. Now, Sully and Duchesne had a fallen out because of that kid that burned up in the house and all that other stuff that happened. And Sully right now is like living on a houseboat on the River Thames or whatever it is. And, you know, he's in his feelings as usual. But he's always the wild card. You never know what he's going to do. You know, he's not the practical sort like Duchesne. And there is someone who is still interacting with him from their old crew. And, you know, this someone is Jack, played by Jasmine Jobson. So Jack is, you know, kind of bringing him stuff and, you know, helping him out. But is he going to be the monkey wrench again in Duchesne's plans? Because there is Summer House, which is where they lived. And this Summer House place 
they want to tear down and make it, you know, better upscale and bring the people back. But we know what happens in history when you take people out of, you know, public housing situations and claim that they're going to be better off. Probably not. But this summer house thing is connected to Duchesne and his ability to clean his money. How? What's going to happen there? And of course, we get to meet more people in the summer house community. They have like this town hall thing where they shout down politicians, you know, that whole kind of thing. And I'm like, what show am I watching? Like, you know, I mean, is this top boy or is this something else? I don't know. Okay. Now, there was in season three, remember, we had Jamie pop up and he wanted to be the up and coming drug kingpin in the area, taking on Duchesne, taking on Sully. And he was winning. And he is looking after his two younger brothers. The parents aren't there. Now, Jamie, remember, was locked up at the end of season three. He gets out in season four. How? How does that happen? Who put him in there? How is he getting out? And how is he going to now deal with Duchesne? Duchesne has ideas about how they could work together. Is it possible? Will those two factions ever be able to work together? And what's going to come of that? And Jamie's younger brother, or youngest brother, I should say. Remember he had this connection with this little kid, Atz. And Atz went missing, and I'm putting quotes up. What happened to him? You find out early on in season four. His mother's been looking for him. And, you know, all knows what is about to break loose when it comes to that. So what's happening with this youngest brother of Jamie, though? in relation to that, in relation to everything that's going on. And so on and so forth. I watched two episodes of this season and that was being generous. The reason I finished uh, episode two is because I watched this with my brother producer and we were both looking at each other like, when do you want to stop it? <laughs> like, like wow. we'll, go as, we'll go as far as, you know, the, we'll go the other one this, to go. Yes, whoever, whoever, <laughs> has the greatest tolerance. Just keep watching that far. We made it to the end of episode two because I wanted to stop it like halfway through episode two. I was done. My brother was like, let's just finish it. And here's why. You said it's about like drug dealers, right? Yeah. But see, this is the thing. We get into this wire sort of thing where we want to, you know, turn political and start dealing with stuff that has nothing to do with it. I'm not watching the show for this. And this is what happens when you give them more than four episodes per season. There was a reason for that because that tightens your storytelling. You got to get to the point. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what I was looking at. And there were certain moments when I was like, what? Like Duchesne was in a moment with these Moroccans. It was pathetic. I didn't buy it. I was like, if this man does this, there's no way he's going to be at the top. He wouldn't even make it to the top mm-hmm. with this kind of behavior. It seemed ad-libbed and the wrong lines were coming out. Also, they would cut from one moment to the next at the wrong time. You're like, wait, I'm not done with that right now. Why did I even see that? Why? Did, I don't even understand why you cut it like that. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So it's a mess. Okay. A lot of it I just didn't care about. I care about the drugs. Let's deal with that. What? Let's get into that. They are muddying it. They're turning it into all other kinds of stuff. Don't care about the people of Summer House. No offense. Don't care. Don't care about Duchesne's girlfriend. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care about the little boy and his mother. Don't care. And I know y'all are going, oh my gosh. Yes, 
It is, what's the name of this again, producer? Top Boy. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so if you like season three, because I had problems with season three, you might be okay here. If you thought, oh, season three is even better than the first two, keep watching. If you had a sort of sinking feeling in season three, it'll keep sinking in season four. Mm-hmm. So don't pick this up, you're saying, if you're not already into it. Because season four. Well, I mean, you up. can, you know, you have to start at Top Boy Summer House, which I, mm-hmm. I like seasons one and two. Mm-hmm. Season three, I had issues with. I finished it. It was fine. You know, they kind of got it together in certain points, but you know, more of the problems in season three for me continued in season four and really took over the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't care about that kid that died in season three. Don't care about him. Mm-hmm. No offense. Hey, they ain't real happens. people. Happens like that sometimes. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Oh, oh, on and I know, I, you know, some of these critics producer are like, oh, this is the best thing ever. You know, we'll get into it. All right, go ahead. People really like. I've heard really good things about Top Boy. I haven't seen it personally. Season my four. Mom, Which season? Oh well, the beginning. So, so Summer mm-hmm. House. So that that's, yep. that's that's the stuff people have been talking about. I haven't heard anything about season four just yet. My mom, mm-hmm. my me and my mom swap like um things to put on our list. So she tells me about something called Toy Boy, which I initially uh, thought, we, see, which I thought was Top Boy. It <laughs> <laughs> was not the same thing. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> what is what is that yeah maybe they're turning into toy boy who knows i don't know but it's not toy boy okay please i can't believe you have me saying that <laughs> all right on to something that you feel a little more comfortable saying oh atlanta <laughs> season three premieres on um on fx coming back creator donald glover um starring donald glover brian henry um, Lakeith Stanford, uh, you know, story of some guys in, in Atlanta attempting to uh, come up the in the rap world. From my understanding of the show, mm-hmm. yeah, that's not that's not bad. You're not you know you're not completely out of the loop. <laughs> for me, so look at you. It had lungs. Now, I mean, it, it's been a while. I think it's been like three years since they were on the air, and now they're back. As you said, with season three, there will be another season, by the way, after this one, everyone that will air this fall, the final season. And I've seen the first two episodes so far of season three, which both premiered. Now, remember, we have Donald Glover playing Earn. And we got his cousin, I believe, uh, Paperboy is played by Brian Tyree Henry. And at the moment, Paperboy is, a, you know, he's making money now. He's getting his paper. He's an international rap star. They're on tour. You know, they're in Europe, living their best life, as these people say on the streets. And, of course, good friend Darius, played by Lakeith Stanfield, is always there and always weird in the best way possible. And so what happens, though, in episode one, none of these people are in it, including Zazie Beats, who is, you know, has a child with Earn. Her character Van does, which is short for Vanessa. And what's going on with her? You know, none of them show up in episode one. Instead, we get like a Jordan Peele episode. Hmm. 
there's this little, you know, little black kid who's acting up in school and his mother is like, no, his grandfather's there, slaps the boy, slaps him. Mm. And then, you know, well, what happens when some people think that a child is being abused? You know, of course they got to deal with some race stuff. So it's black family, white onlookers. Mm. You know, a certain person in the school says to this little kid, we're going to get you out of there. So who do they call? It ain't the Ghostbusters. No. And how does mom react? <laughs> okay, that's the question. <laughs> so he ends up, he ain't at home with mom. How? And whose house does he end up in? Well, he's in the care of two women who have two other children that they've adopted. What's that life like? Hmm? Mm. Is it better? Is it worse? His mother does warn him, though, early in the episode about what they're going to do to him if he keeps acting the way he acts. Now, of course, over time, he wants to go back home. What is home? Is there anybody to help him? If he runs to a cop, what are they going to say? Because, you know, these mothers that he has now, they're white. He's black. So, you know, if a black kid gets into the system, you know what their home life must have been like. Yeah. Yeah. So we see this play out. And in the end, does he get out? What does it mean to get out? And what's the moral of that story? Why does this start season three season. of Atlanta with none of the four principles? Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. It's got to be connected in some way. You'll find out at the end of that episode. And then in episode two, we get back into the main characters. Paperboy, they're in Amsterdam. You know what that means. At the beginning here, Ern wakes up. You know, where is he? He doesn't really know. He's not where he's supposed to be. He's running late. Paperboy is in, is locked up. Locked up for what? He's got to be bailed out. Ern is, of course, the manager. So they have this concert that's about to happen. He has to go to the venue, make sure everything's there, get the money to get Paperboy out. But what does it mean to be locked up in Amsterdam? Is that the hard life or not? Is it? And for Darius, you know, he's just enjoying everything he can get his hands on in Amsterdam. You know, everything looks beautiful to him. And Vanessa does end up joining them. Why? She and Erna are no longer connected. Why is she here? What is she coming back for? And she and Darius, you know, go on a little escapade together through Amsterdam, you know, because they end up pretending to be certain people that they're not. And they arrive at this ceremony for someone who is in poor health and is, you know, about to say goodbye to everybody, unfortunately. What's that like? What are they doing there? Now, this is what I have to say about the first episode. I said it's like a Jordan Peele sort of thing. It's Donald Glover, you know, his brother, everybody else involved in the creative doing Jordan Peele, which is interesting. There's a little more nuance to them, I would say, than Jordan. So I was kind of like, okay, let me just go with this, go with you. They had some interesting ideas in there and I didn't mind it. The question is, does it connect or not? Now, in episode two, when they're in Amsterdam at this time, there's something going on with like the Sinterklaas thing. 
because there's this whole um, legend or something like it where some sort of person ended up falling down a chimney, you know, and so on. Now, imagine that that happened to you. You fell down a chimney. How would you look afterward? Dirty. Okay. And, yeah, get that picture in your mind. Mm-hmm. And this is how all of these people in Amsterdam adorn themselves to look just like that. So if you're going to play a house in Amsterdam during this time and they're celebrating, what are you going to see out there in the audience? Is that something that Paperboy can stand? Okay. So that's in the backdrop of that episode. And what I would say is what I noted to myself, producer, is for this show, it's the poetry of randomness. Mm. That's what they do. It's random stuff, but it kind of works. You don't quite know why. And this show is best to me when you feel it more than think it. Mm-hmm. In episode two, I was torn between the two. When I was feeling it okay, when I was thinking it, I was kind of like, mm, I don't want to try to think my way through this show. That's not really where it works. It kind of kind of locks up when that happens. Mm-hmm. So I would say episode two to me was a mixed bag. Episode one worked, but the question is, how does it connect? I'll continue to watch this, of course. I think if you've watched it up to now, continue, because the question is always, what are they going to do? We never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems super. I still haven't watched yeah. it, but it's definitely on my list of things, and it it's something that I'm, I know I'd be interested in. Seems like something mm-hmm. I'd be into. And this season yep. sounds kind of cool. So far, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, great. So, we're going to move on to our TV season finales. Uh, we have one in this category for today, um, and that's the Gilded Age um, it is the finale on HBO. This is a historical drama a TV series created by Julian Fellows. And um, it's starring Carrie Coon, Morgan Spector, Louisa Jacobson, um, Danae Benton, amongst others. So, yeah, what do you if think you read the whole cast list, we'll be here until next week. <laughs> so, another one from Julian, as you said. Uh, you know, Downton Abbey now, years earlier in New York City. And here's what's going on. Okay, let's try to focus this in some way. So we have different factions, different people with different motivations. It's still the upstairs, downstairs kind of thing. Now, there are two neighbors, two neighboring families living across the same street. Okay, they're wealthy people. One family, the Van Ryans, are from old money. The other family, the Russells, are new money. So that's really the struggle here. It's can the new money folk break into the old money socialite circles? Will that be allowed? And the really the arbiter of this, the person who will allow this, is a certain Esther. Mm-hmm. Now, This in particular is Caroline Astor, who had this list of 400 people. And, you know, if you were on the list, you were at the top of New York social society. This is a real thing. If you didn't make the 400, then, you know, you're not going to go to all the balls and you're not considered someone who can float through the echelon, the top echelon of New York City in the 1880s. Now, her emissary in this, the one who keeps track of all these people and 
who advises Mrs. Astor, who's played by the great Donna Murphy, is the wonderful and so much fun Nathan Lane playing Ward McAllister, another real person. Now, remember Astor, that name, if you know New York, you know, okay, Astor Place, Astoria, and so on and so forth. I mean, this, you know. So Nathan Lane pops in with his mustaches, and it's hilarious. (laughs) And he is in between Mrs. Astor and Bertha Russell, played by Carrie Coon. Can he get them together? Does he want to get them together? Because Bertha is all about, I don't care if I'm new money or, or not, my husband has made a whole bunch of money dealing with, you know, the railroad, stuff like that. So you're going to have to deal with me. How does she orchestrate all of these machinations? And do they end up where she wants them to end up? You'll find out at the end of season one. Now, her husband, George, played by Morgan Spector, he ain't nothing to sneeze at either. But, you know, he doesn't get into all that social stuff. I mean, if you really cross his wife, he's going to cross you and you won't know it. Even Mrs. Astor acknowledges that after a certain thing takes place. But when it comes to his business, watch out, because there is a potential scandal in the offing where they could be ruined. Now, they have each other's back. Okay, George has Bertha's back. Bertha has George's back. So they're a united front. Now, there are certain people in the downstairs area in their house who think maybe they can, you know, worm their way in between the two. You know, a certain someone says to George, hey, look, essentially your wife can't do it like me. Does she really have your back all the way? Or is she worried about her own stuff? Hmm? Mm-hmm. How does he respond to that? Now, they have two children. And their oldest child, their son, Larry, you know, he just graduated from Harvard. He's a nice guy. And, you know, he's connected to the Van Ryans in certain ways. He's met them. And in particular, he has met the son of one Agnes Van Ryan, who's played by Christine Baranski. Now, this son, oh my goodness, And this is Blake Ritson's Oscar Van Ryan. He's up to a lot. He wants to marry well. He has his eyes on the daughter of the Russells, played by Thaisa Farmiga, Gladys. Now, Gladys isn't really out yet in society, okay? She hasn't made her debut, as they call it. She wants to. She's old enough to. But Mama's like, "Mm, we got to wait for the right time for you. All of this is orchestrated. And when it comes to Oscar, maybe, maybe it's Gladys that he should marry. Now, all of this for him is tactical. Why? He doesn't care about loving his wife. It's just all about how it looks and how much money she has and so on and so forth. Why? What else is going on? It is Julian Fellows, right? Now, keep in mind that Agnes Van Ryan, mother of Oscar, has her sister, and her sister's played by Cynthia Nixon, Ada Brooke. Ada's never married, and Agnes takes care of her. But Ada is the sweeter of the two. She does understand how the society works, but she has an open heart where Agnes goes, this is going to happen to you if you do that, and I'm never wrong, okay? So just come on now. And this really falls on the head of Louisa Jacobson's character, Marion Brooke, who is their niece. 
her father died before the show started, just died. She has to come on down or up to New York City. And remember along the way, she met Danae Benton's character, Peggy Scott, who's black. Peggy helped her out, so she got to help out Peggy. And this is how Peggy becomes the secretary of Agnes. She's a very capable woman. And she also ends up becoming a journalist. How, why, what happens there? So this Marion, Agnes really is like, mm, you've got to marry well. You've got to listen to me. I know what's happening here. But Marion has her eyes on a certain person, Tom Rakes, played by Thomas Cockerell. Now, Tom arrives in New York City. He's a lawyer and he wants to be a part of this society. I mean, he pops up everywhere. So is he really serious about Marion? Or is this just a play of some sort? Because he's almost willing to ruin Marion's reputation. This is the 1880s. You don't just, you know, y'all stands like in a hotel together. You, I mean, I can't ruin the woman. Come on now. So what's going to happen with the two of them? Are they going to get married? Will that be allowed? I mean, on Agnes is like, no. On Ada's like, just give it time. Give it time here, Marion. Will that happen? Now, in the Van Ryans, they're, they're downstairs, people. There is a certain character, Bannister. And Bannister, you know, he knows all of the English ways of keeping a house and serving. And this is very important because the Astors, that's what they do. And he is an opportunist as well. Now, along with him are certain other people, one of whom really doesn't like Peggy. Because keep in mind, Peggy is not really a downstairs person. She's the secretary in the upstairs. But, you know, she has to commingle with them. A lot of them like her, but one of them doesn't. And this one person, we find a little more about her. We find something about her family. Okay, she brings somebody like a pie. It ends up on the floor. I don't know. Like You go, okay. And the woman points to the pie on the floor. It's hilarious. I mean, only Julian Fellows would give us a moment like that. My brother and I, to this day, laugh about that. We'll just start pointing, producing to the floor. This woman is laid in the bed, ill, being taken care of. You know, and she comes in and she's like, what happened to the pie? We're pointing to the floor. Okay. So is that, does that explain her, you know, nasty moods? And there's also two young downstairs people there. Will there be some romance? You know, now the guy, you know, he seems like a happy-go-lucky kind of guy. He's ready to take the town and he's optimistic. The girl, not so much, but they have a connection that they find out later on in the season. What is that? Does that change things for the better? Or for the worse. Now, there is another person who likes Peggy. She has a problem. What is it? Can it be taken care of? Will Peggy help her? Will she help Peggy? Now, when it comes to the Russells downstairs people, well, the head of their house is played by Jack Gilpin. Church is his name. And, you know, the Russells kind of do things a little differently. They have a French chef. What's up with him? You find out at the end. 
I already mentioned the slinking person down there that wants to come between them. The slinker. He, uh, she's doing more than slinking. She's slinking and doing some other stuff. And church is there, you know, looking at all of these people. But their ways aren't the English ways. This is a new money family. And Bertha has her own ideas. But Bertha wants to be in old society. So what's going to happen between Church, the Russell's butler, and Bannister, the Van Ryan's butler? He's the one with the English knowledge. He is English. Mm-hmm. I'm tell you this. If you give me a C note, okay, and for you youngins, that's $100. You give me a C note in the 1880s, I'm doing it. If it's legal... I'll take the consequences. I'm sorry. Now, all of this comes to the head, producer, and I'll end this. Well, I'll almost end it. All of it comes to a head. At the end, there's a ball at the Russells. Who's going to show up? And Bertha has woven a web that may ensnare all of the old money, but it could collapse. She is gambling, and she's doing it with her daughter's reputation on the line and hers. Will it work? Now, keep in mind, if I go back to Peggy to wrap this up, Peggy didn't want to be with her parents. That's part of the reason why she became the Van Ryan secretary. I mean, good job, but, you know, and she's doing this whole journalism thing and she's great at it. But what is her problem with her parents, in particular, her father? Now, mom, played by Audra McDonald, is kind of like, come on home. I understand we'll work through it. Dad, played by John Douglas Douglas Thompson, is a dad. He ain't playing. Mm -hmm. And he was a slave, by the way. This man was a slave. After slavery, made all this money. Look, when we see their house, you go, oh, now their house is in Brooklyn, which you know in 1880 whatever means something. But Mm -hmm. uh, they got a brownstone producer in Brooklyn, black family. You know what that means. And they got a maid. All right. So, you know, when Marion shows up to the house, what are her expectations and what does she find? Mm. So what we do find out, though, is what caused that friction between dad and daughter. Mm. Deep, heavy, unfortunate stuff. Mm. Because remember, at this time, your reputation is everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. This ain't no joke. It ain't like right now when we're like, oh, you're responsible for my feelings, all that. No, uh uh-uh. If society shuns you, that's it. Because we see that in the form of Gene Triplehorn's character, Sylvia, who has money, a lot of it, but the way she got it, society has never forgiven her and they never will. Mm -hmm. And Sylvia is someone who befriends Marion in her, you know, escapades with Tom Rakes. What advice does she give her? Does she give her a warning? And does Marion learn her lesson or is it going to be too late? So that's really season one. Look at me, producer. I mean, I keep telling these people they should pay me. Now, what I do have to say is for this, is this as good as Downton Abbey? Not the first season. I can't say that, that it is. I wouldn't call this great Julian Fellows work. I would call it good. Uh, It's not as good as Belgravia that Julian did as well, which is, I mean, I'm sorry. Still, that Schmidt line, I, I will never forget it. Schmidt, well, you better pay him. I mean, this man is talking to his father. His father's in dire straits. It's about to get 
knocked out for owing money. And he's like, who do you owe money to? Schmidt, Schmidt. <laughs> he's like, forget that. You on your own, fool. You better pay him. So, I mean, we don't have quite that level here. However, it is good. I think that some of what they do with Marion, Julian explained this because after every episode, if you watch it like on HBO Max, they'll give you a talk, an inside look, which is great to listen to. I listen to every single one. And he was talking about Marion. The, he didn't want her really connected to everyone so she could go everywhere. So she's really the glue. Mm. She can be with Peggy. She can be with the, you know, Russells. She can be with um, uh, Sylvia Chamberlain, you know, the one who's on the outs. You know, she can be with everybody. And so the camera can follow her. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we don't have enough of her for it to matter. Like her thing with Tom Rakes is her story. And toward the end of the season, we get more of it. But I think we kind of lose her. And sometimes with her and Peggy, it's kind of like, okay, here we go. My brother was like early on, okay, we're going to have to have one scene with them like walking down the street talking. And it's like, okay, can we move on? Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. So there's some issues where if you're comparing it to Julian Fellow's work, it's kind of like, eh, you could do better. But it's still good. Now, mm. in episode six, it's heads have rolled for less. It was cooking. You look this cast. You can't you can't mess around with these people. All right, almost all of them have been on Broadway, and not like how did they get on Broadway? They've been on Broadway. They've lived on Broadway. They've been awarded on Broadway. They do not play, mm -hmm. and even the ones who aren't like stage royalty are screen acting royalty, meaning chops wise. I mean, Cynthia Nixon, by the way, you're like, how is she? Like, I can't even, until you see her playing this woman, you can't imagine that she could. I couldn't. That she's playing someone who is, you know, reserved and, you know, open and, and kind, and but still kind of understanding society, who's willing to let her sister really run her life, but can quietly say her piece. It's just a beautiful performance. And then you have Christine Baranski. It's just wonderful acting. Wonderful acting. And heads have rolled for less. Let me tell you, Christine Baranski marches across that street. What happens? So we do have some highs here. I wanted a little more of that. But, I mean, I definitely want to see season two. I think if you're fans of what I mentioned before, Downton Abbey, Belgravia, if you haven't watched that, I think it's on Epic, so you might not have it. But if you do, I mean, come on. It's just once. It's a limited series. I'm going to watch it. And I would say definitely watch this. It will be back for season two. I'm looking forward to that. I expect, producer, though, that season two will go deeper, will get even better. Hmm. Cool. Okay. All right, guys. That's no, you're going to watch this. That's what I'm going to ask you. I'm in, I am interested in that. You just made me interested. I'll tell you oh. that. <laughs> Where's my royalty? <laughs> I don't know if I would have necessarily picked this one without your recommendation, but it sounds very much like I should I should check it out. Yeah. I think yeah. for you, start with Belgravia if you can find it. Because okay. it's quick. So that if you haven't watched these shows, that's just one season. Mm -hmm. You can watch that. And then you can like maybe come to this and save Downton because it's so many seasons. Yes. Yeah. But Downton is like, I, you know, because you have like, you know, you the O'Brien from Downton is in this show, you know, the woman mm -hmm. whose mother's pointing to the food on the floor, mm -hmm. you know, it, so you have those echoes, mm -hmm. um, but that's probably how I would do it. I'm glad you said that. I would probably go to Belgravia if I could access it. Mm -hmm. I would then come here 
And then after I did the Gilded Age, I would start Downton and then piece Downton in. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but speaking of uh, cooking, our TV sneak peeks start with a, a show about a cook, a chef by the name of Julia. A why watch that sneak peek? This is going to be premiering on March the 31st on HBO Max. Uh, Julia Childs, if we don't know, is a, a chef personality. And this is a TV show um, about her. It is starring so uh, Sarah Lancaster, uh, David Hyatt Pierce, Brittany Bradford, Phoebe Newworth, amongst other people. So, Critic, tell us about Julia. Wow. And this is in your wheelhouse, isn't it? Julia it Child. Is. <laughs> Look, the producer's going, ooh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm like, cooking. We talked about pie. I was like, oh, yeah, well, this is going to be a good leader. <laughs> and this starts, uh, Julia starts in this first season with her, her seminal cookbook has already come out. And, you know, what's going to happen as after that? Okay, so Sarah's playing Julia and David's playing her husband, Paul. Now, Paul was in the diplomatic service for this country. And because of that, they were in, you know, France. He was stationed there. That's where Julia went to school, learned how to all the French cuisine, those techniques and brought it back. So what's happened is at the start, he's lost his job. What's he going to do? What's Julia going to do? Mm. Hmm. Now, Julia does have a father. And this father, what's his opinion of his daughter and his son-in-law? That's a question. And James Cromwell plays him. John McWilliams is his name. Now, John has money. And he does give them money. Because that is his daughter. But what's the price of them receiving that money? is the question now julia via something that happens decides that you know what i should do a cooking show on you know public television in boston that's where they live because she's invited to uh, promote her book and she's invited on a show uh that's about books, but you know, it's a serious show about serious books, you know, literature. We want John Updike on here, that kind of thing. Hello. And the host of this show is Albert Duhamel, played by Jefferson Mays. How does he receive a cookbook author? Hmm. And what does Julia do on this show? It's Julia Child. Right. Julia Child, remember at this time, everybody on TV, you didn't show mistakes, you didn't show flaws. That's not what happened. It was prim and proper. Julia didn't care about none of that. She had a hot plate on this show. He, this man is like, what are you doing? Let me, let me make this perfect omelet for you. Like, okay. Now, there is a certain uh, producer at this public uh, TV channel. And her name is Alice, played by Brittany Bradford. Now, she's a black woman. In like the 50s doing this. Mm. or 60s whenever they are and 
will she be listened to? Because she loves Julia. Will that have any clout? Because her boss, a senior producer played by Fran Kranz, who, by the way, Fran, he directed Mass that I've been talking about from last year so much and wrote (laughs) it. Fran, he's an actor. He's a wonderful actor. And look, in his film debut, you better watch out for his uh, writing and directing. So he plays Russ. And Russ is like, I mean, come on. This woman on TV? A cooking show? Like, like when it, like when we think back in past, in the past, Julia wasn't the first to do this, but she was really the first to make it, you know, explode internationally. This is not normal. I mean, James Beard is in this show. Look, the producer's going, oh, James Beard. James Beard is in this show. He had a show, like in the 30s. So, you know, she wasn't the first, but there's something about Julia. So that's what's going on there. Now, in addition to the husband, Julia has a friend, Avis, played by B.B. Newworth. Yes, and you know what B.B.'s going to bring. You know what kind of character it's going to be. The question is, how does she relate to Paul, if at all? Also, Julia has, of course, a publisher. The book came out. Now, this wasn't like a slam dunk to get this book published. It wasn't. And Knopf is the publishing house. And the editor at Knopf that was responsible for this book, played by Fiona Glascott, is Judith. Judith is a major editor. Okay. Major. Of fiction. Not of cookbooks. Mm. But she likes and loves Julia just like Alice. Just like everybody. Avis, husband Paul. So what's that like? Because the head of Knopf is played by Judith Light. Now, Judith Light is like, you are my protege. Judith Light playing the boss of the character whose name is Judith. <laughs> Hilarious. So she's like, look here, Judith. You're my protege. And what do you think she should be editing? Should she be editing cookbooks? Or should she be editing literature that's going to get all kinds of awards. Can she do both? And, you know, she's a woman in the editing business at that time. Mm -hmm. If you edit cookbooks, what could that say to people? Right. Right. So we know that Julia Child is going to succeed. The question is how. And when you watch this, I don't know how factually correct it is, but there's a lot of problems. You know, there's not a lot of belief. Does she get people to believe? Will she believe in herself? Because remember, also at this time, we had feminism coming in. I don't know if this is first wave or second wave producer at the time. Mm -hmm. One of those original waves. Mm -hmm. And how do they receive a woman cooking on television? Because remember, when this happens, people who see her, a lot of housewives are going, oh, I need to do this. Now, she's improving the cooking in these homes. (laughs) Yeah, big time. But But is there a cost to that for these women? It depends on who you ask. How does that affect Julia? You'll see in the end. So everything is not, you know, going to be what you think. Everything is not roses here. But let me get into my review. Let me tell y'all something, okay? Uh, Let me be real clear about it. Sarah Lancashire is an amazing actor. Just amazing Happy Valley, that's her show. Love her. They're coming back some 
at some point for one final season. Because every time they do a season of that, Sarah's like, I don't know if I can do another one. This is just too heart-wrenching for me to play this character. And by the way, O'Brien from Downton Abbey, that actress, is in Happy Valley. Devon Federer. Come on! Now, also Sarah's in Last Tango in Halifax, if you've seen that. Wonderful. Now, when it comes to this show, and I'll come back to Sarah in a moment, I can't say it's great. But I was at peace while watching it. Okay. That's what I would say. And does that count? Yes. (laughs) It counts a lot. And then after the first episode, it started to grow on me a bit, producer. Uh, But some episodes are better than others. I want the whole thing to be magical. It kind of sounds like that. Mm Mm-hmm. But there are only certain moments. It's not, Mm. they don't quite stick it. But I respect what they've done because they respect their time period and ours. Mm. So they do bring up issues. And there are people who have more contemporary notions, but there are others who go, "Uh, hold on. (laughs) Wait a minute. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. Like when it comes to, for instance, Alice's character, her mother pops up and you know mom is like um yeah you need to you know start dating some guys i have some prospects and you need to get married uh hello Mm -hmm. and you know alice is like well mom and by the way her mother is played by adrian lennox another great you know stage great just love adrian and so she's like mom you, you essentially you never seem to have my back i just want to talk it out and all of that you know what virginia mom says She says, I'm your mother, not your friend. That's accurate. Mm -hmm. Up until recently. Yeah. (laughs) That's how parents used to talk to their kids. Yeah. I ain't your friend. I don't want to be. I'm your mother. Mm -hmm. So it's stuff like that, that I did appreciate. And that's what I mean when I talk about respecting your characters in the time period. It doesn't mean you can't do things that mean something to us now that are relevant, but you've got to respect what these people would actually do and say. So I do think they did a good job of that. Now, coming back to Sarah, I, the thing about her is, if you think about her as Julia, I can't say that she disappears in the Julia Child. You wouldn't go, oh, I'm not even seeing Sarah anymore. It's not that kind of performance. But she always makes you pay attention, which is not surprising. This is her show. And what I'd like the best about what she did with Julia, because it's not like I've got to get everything like Julia. It's the essence, the spirit of Julia. There's a sensitivity to what she does that really, it just holds you. You care about Julia. You want her to do well. Even if, you know, you didn't know who Julia Child was, if you didn't watch her, you'd go, okay, I'm rooting for her. And she's not trying to beat anybody over the head. Now, that doesn't mean she's a pushover. Look, if she wants something, she's going to tell you. But it was just nice to see that kind of nuance there. And the rest of the cast supports her very well. They've just made a human out of Julia Child, which is probably their greatest success. So what I would say is it's not perfect. It's not going to, you know, transport you. It's not going to lift you off of the ground. But if you like classic television, and by that, I mean the era of Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie. Okay. Now it's not, I wouldn't call it a comedy. They put that in there. It's a light drama. That's how you want to think of it. So if you turn them into light dramas, you probably would like this. Of course, if you like food and you want some old school charm, this would be for you. Is it for you now that you've heard all of that though, producer? I, 
I would just watch it because it's a story of Julia Child. <laughs> I would at least just give it a try. But it yeah. sounds, um, yeah, it sounds interesting. I'm not, I don't need perfection. You know the shows I watch. <laughs> oh, um, that's that start. Yeah, and this, by the way, is not a limited series, so they might have a season two. You do not, you know, end up at the end of Julia's career at the end of season one. Not even mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right, guys. So we're going to round out our TV sneak peeks with Slow Horses, which will be coming to us um, Friday, April the 1st. It is an Apple TV Plus uh, spy thriller TV series um, based on a novel by Nick Heron. Um, It stars Gary Oldman, Olivia Cook, um, Jonathan Pierce, uh, Kirsten Scott Thomas, amongst a whole bunch of other people. And the critic is going to tell us how he feels about the first two episodes. Oh, the whole season. I've seen. Oh, you saw the Oh, look at us. I sure did. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched all of Julia. And y'all can start watching it on March 31st, as the yeah, producer very said. very soon. And yeah, the first two episodes, though, like you're saying, producer premiere on April Fool's Day. Now, is that the right day to release this? Slow horses, mm. let's see. Mm. Mm. So this is what's happening. We're across the pond, we're in England, and we're dealing with MI5. Now, MI5 is like uh, CIA here. So it's spies. And at the beginning, we have Jack Loughton's character, River Cartwright. They call him Cartwright, Cartwright, Cartwright. And he's in an airport. There's an, um, an urgent need to stop somebody. Like this could be an attack of mammoth proportions. And he is told who to look for. He's there looking. He spots the guy. What ensues? Now, Because of that, he ends up in what they call Slough House. So that's S-L-O-U-G-H, house. Now, if you look up what Slough means, you'll go, oh. (laughs) These are, this house is for the dregs of the MI5. And it's led by Gary Oldman's character, of course, Jackson Lamb. Now, Jackson Lamb is a famed spy. Everybody knows. Why is he in Slough House? Why is he managing them? And this man, you know, he has flatulence that he'll let out at any time. <laughs> you know, he's like, don't get too close. So <laughs> He has holes in his socks, you know, and he doesn't wear shoes. It's that kind of thing. And he thinks all of these idiots in Slough House are just that, idiots. They shouldn't be doing anything. They need to sit down. When they're at work, be at work. When it's time to go, go home. Don't do anything extra because whatever you do is going to mess things up. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like the island of misfit spies. <laughs> okay. So why is Cartwright in here with these people? Now, Cartwright's grandfather, played by Jonathan Price, was in the MI5. So is this some sort of nepotism thing? And if it is, how does he end up in Slough House? Why would his grandfather allow it? What's happening? Now, the person who's above all of them, who's back at the main section, which is where Cartwright was, is played by Kristen Scott Thomas. Her name is Diana Taverner. And something is happening that she 
has a close eye on. There is this faction of like neo-Nazis or whatever they are. And they have abducted a Muslim man. Mm. Why? And why is she so concerned? She's so concerned that she sends certain things to Slough House for them to do. Why? When you send something for Slough House to do, why would you want to do that? Producer, what do you think? Why would you send a task to a group of misfits? Because you don't want it to be successful. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Or maybe because, as well, will anyone know? Hmm. So, we have Jackson. At one point, he was, as they used to say decades ago, the bee's knees. Okay. Is he stupid enough to not smell what Diana's up to? And what is the relationship exactly between Jackson and Diana? They're around the same age. They probably, you know, went up through the ranks and saw each other, passed each other. What's going on? Now, along with Cartwright and Slough House is Olivia Cook's character, Sid. And of all of them, Jackson goes, she's the only one that's worth anything. So she gets to do all the fun stuff. And Cartwright's like, why am I here? I don't even understand. Has he been set up? Hmm. Now, the other people, they really are, except for one more, they really are a bunch of idiots. Okay, the one, the other one who's not an idiot is the one who has all of the tech skills. So, you know, he's sitting there and he thinks he's the greatest thing ever. But why is he there? Okay, what's his blind spot? But he can hack in anything and all of that. Now, he'll complain. And if you want him to do something, you might have to pay. Like, if it's off the books, he's like, uh, you can give me my money. Give me my C note. Mm-hmm. And then points. maybe I'll do... <laughs> yeah, see? I'm not going to say that. So, <laughs> and and there you go. But the rest of them, well, no, no, no. There is one more, I will say. There is someone who's very close to Jackson. And this someone, you know, before she was in Slough House, she knew Jackson. You know, Jackson and her husband, they were friends. They were colleagues. What's happening? Because there's something to that story that hasn't been told all the way for her. Will we get down to the bottom of it or not? Hmm. So those are the people who have some capability. You're kind of like, okay, what are they doing here? And then there are three others. Two men and a woman. And they don't belong in MI5. They prove it in the end. How is the question? So we have this abduction. Got to get to the bottom of it. Certain people in Slough House smell what's happening. And they get all mixed up in it. Is this going to topple anybody? Because it's Slough House now versus that main group that Diana heads. Who's going to win? We know who has all the resources. But these are spies. Okay? And when you see Gary Oldman, you go, something's up. Something's up. Now, from the start, there was immediacy. But that whole thing with Cartwright and that 
you know, that op he was on in the airport or wherever he is. Yes, the airport. I mean, it was like, whoa, you started like, oh my God. And then they kind of, you know, ratchet it down. So if you start this show, don't think the opening is the whole thing. That's one caution. But these are characters. They have created some characters. And I would say around episode three, it starts to cook. Starts to, you know, gel. However, in the end, it's kind of like what Peter Jackson said during Lord of the Rings, which we always come back to on this show. If it wasn't about the ring, we had to cut it. In this show, they're not always focused on their ring. Sometimes we get things, especially at the end, where you're like, oh, come on, why? Like, are these people really that dumb? Like, really that dumb? It just, it took away from some of it. I'd rather that they get into the situation, not from being dumb, but just because they're thinking and they have the wrong information. And then, you know, there's a way to get to that ending without something that stupid. It was just so dumb. I can't, and you'll see it at, in the end. You'll go, okay, really, really? Mm. You know, I mean, you're at the gas station. You forget to get gas for what reason? Like it, it was just too much, too much. But outside of that, overall, I think this is another win for Apple TV+. Plus. I really do. Is it perfect? No. But I'm definitely going to watch season two. Why wouldn't I? The cast is wonderful. Most of the writing is good. And I do want to see what's going to happen because they have already filmed season two. And if you get to the end of season one, they'll give you little teases of what's going to come. And from the looks of it, from what they showed, it looks like they're going to get a little more serious. I don't know. I can't say because I haven't seen it. But I know that's coming and I'll look forward to seeing it when it's released. What about you, producer? Do you want to see this Island of Misfit British, British Spies show? Absolutely. I love spy shows. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the Brits, this is a genre they just they don't play with mm-hmm. this kind of like they they know how to do this genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you would, yeah. And I mean, Gary Oldman, you know, all these people in it. Kristen Scott, I mean, you know, Jack Loudon and all of them and Olivia Cook, like uh, all of these. Jonathan Price just pops up. Why not? You know, mm-hmm. uh, other people pop up as well. You'll see who. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So we got another one for you. Yeah. And there we go. All right, guys. There is our TV episode. Uh, we got uh, premiere, some finales, and some sneak peeks. Thanks, as always, for joining us for Why Watch That. Until next time. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.